How's that, Steve? I can hear you now. Hey, thanks for uh, coming on. And uh, sorry about, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever used Colin before, but um, probably not since you had to download it. <laughs> no, I have not. I mean, I was on Clubhouse uh, earlier part of the year, but uh, since then I haven't really followed uh, what, what else has been brewing. So I don't know if this is a new thing or this is in the background, but I didn't, at least I didn't notice it. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a new thing. I, uh, I'm a big listener to the, the all in podcast. Um, and you know, David Sachs, you know, he's a pretty smart guy, right? PayPal mafia. Um, yeah. Yammer. And now this is his new startup. So, um, yeah, I've always wanted to do a podcast. We'll get into, into you and several of yours, obviously the, um, entrepreneurial journey is what I'm pretty curious about. And again, I, I know you have a hard stop here, uh, just under 30 minutes, but hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hear all about your journey in a shorter period of time, but no, I, I'd love to, um, thanks for, you know, thanks for coming on. I'd love to understand, um, a little bit what you're doing, but mostly kind of your background before, is it Castat? Castagra? Yeah, Castagra. Castagra. Um, I noticed you're got a little are you a dual citizen? So are you are you Canadian and, and American or what's the Yeah, how, how that started is um uh I mean I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I I um I knew I needed help. So I I um I, I sought someone out. I had a friend of mine that introduced me to a guy named Peter Rosen, and he was an inventor type. Like he invented a whole bunch of things. Like he invented the Windows Media Player, sold it to Bill Gates. Uh, he worked on some early 3D printing technology. Worked on a technology that was later uh, used for steel measurements and also cited in uh, you know MRI patents. So it just invented a whole bunch of different things that, you know, commercialized uh, with a lot of success. So I work with him for free, just wanted to learn. And uh, in the process, um, just started to learn a lot about uh, right. entrepreneurship. And I guess my, my early experience, um, you know, we started a innovation and product launch company where we we're launching uh, for others and ourselves um, consumer products. Uh, some technology, but a little bit more on the industrial side and consumer products and did over a hundred plus launches. And, you know, after a while I started to get, you know, I guess through all the failure and learning, uh, you know, get quite comfortable with um, what is involved in that process. And uh, what what started to happen with me is I started to look at the stuff that we were Mm. helping to get out there. And I thought, well, does the world need another one of these? So I took it a little bit more critical about, you know, what I wanted to do and, and uh, excited about in promoting and getting out there. And um, yeah, so uh, one of these technologies that Peter accidentally invented was a coding. And um, he did it like, uh, well, now 30 years ago, but at the time, uh, 20 years ago, and uh, it was a great technology, hmm. accidentally invented it, but he never really did anything with it. And uh, when his curve of non-competes ran out, we were like, why don't we take this, develop some more IP and relaunch it? And uh, one of the fortunate things for us was, do you, um, yeah. you, do you know the entrepreneurial reality game show Dragon's Den um, in Canada? Yeah, yeah so, of course. 
Mr. Wonderful, uh, I think he's he's Canadian as well. Yeah. You were on Dragon's Den? Uh, you know, Peter was, but basically um, uh, we we pitched the the idea, but it wasn't a regular pitch because they they only did this once. They they got PepsiCo as a sponsor and they wanted to find the best sustainable innovation in Canada. And out of, wow, um, mm-hmm. 4,000 companies that applied, uh, we came in first. So, you know, we got essentially, you know, they, they aired oh, wow. it a bunch of times. Uh, so 12 million views. Uh, we got thousands of emails and we got, you know, 100 grand, n- no strings attached from uh, PepsiCo with, um, you know, money. And, and we got this, uh, you know, interest from all the celebrity uh, judges. So uh, we, ch- we turned down those offers, but we, we decided, you know, raise some money privately. And we, we launched uh, our coding business uh, roughly 12 years ago. Okay, well, um, before we get there, because I have a lot of questions, one, <laughs> one, one step back, um, you know, looking at your, your profile, obviously, we've never spoken before, you started like a, 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 a you had a marketing company, right? Obviously, yes. you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big proponent. This is why I'm, uh, to be honest, why I was really interested in a podcast. Um, I think brand is something I've always read about and, you know, like, where do you start? And, um, yeah, but marketing and, 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 and building a brand is, is really like, in my opinion, the longevity of, a, of, of how you do sales. You know, it's a, it's a much more sustainable way of doing business. So how do you, uh, you know, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, a little background about, you know, starting that and, and what did you take from building that business to the, the coding business or, you know, uh, doing roofing? So maybe that's yeah. just to learn more about Sure. That. Absolutely. I think uh, branding is very powerful. And if you look at the marketing, um, I guess, landscape, there's all different aspects of marketing, right? There's, you know, strategy, pricing, like you said, there's design aspects, there's brand aspects that, you know, encompass large amounts of it. I do believe that branding is probably one of the, the least understood. And I mean, the least done well, I mean, it's so important. And, um, you know, my background, I, I got a lot of learning from the PR uh, side of things. So I came off that the opinion leadership side. It's quite well suited more towards like, mm. let's say, consumer product launches, um, you know, a little bit towards uh, B2B related stuff. But, I, you know, I've always struggled with brand, like really understood how to do it. And, you know, had all these reps trying to, you know, build out, uh, you know, uh, get product market fit and, and grow these, uh, you know, new ideas into something sustainable and, and enduring. And I, I've always really struggled with that. And the thing that I, I learned, um, you know, that that really helped is, you know, let's say even if you have a technology, right? You have a great technology, you have a huge lead in the marketplace, and you have this massive value proposition. Technology is a limited time advantage. Right. The goal of your business is to take any sort of advantage, let's say the technology advantage, and then convert it to brand equity. That that process is really important. If you just have the technology, 
and you just you know you just uh, you know keep coming up with the next technology. Eventually, it's going to be really hard to defend that because you're not always going to come up with the absolute winner. So when you have something that's working, you have to convert that right, into yeah, a right. brand advantage. And I think um, that's the thing that some people miss is that you can innovate, but you have to consolidate those wins, and you do that uh, through brand. And so, what's brand to you in in a short? Yeah, I mean, brand is um, the the memories and the interaction points that, you know, basically your stakeholders, your team, and um, your customers have with your organization. So it, it's, you know, every phone call you take, the, the website, you know, how you talk to uh, your customers through email, it's, it's every little aspect of that. And it's, um, you're only as strong as your weakest link. You know, business has main uh, main functions, right? Three main functions, which is one is demand generation. Now, operation generally is kind of like, can you keep your internal uh, stakeholders and your customers happy? And the third aspect is the financial side is, can you do all this profitably? And you can't do two out of three, um, you know, well, you kind of have to get over that certain mark um, in all areas. So you always constantly have to examine if you're uh, dropping the ball somewhere in terms of, you know, your brand experience, um, you know, going a little further in detail, that client experience. And uh, you just have to keep uh, improving that as your organization grows, um, things change. And uh, you, you just constantly have to stay uh, vigilant on those things. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, and it, I think it's one of those uh, sort of catch 22s because, you know, when you're starting a business, you don't have a brand yet, right? And you're playing for the long term, um, but brand takes time and brand is, you know, uh, I always, if if I were to encapsulate it into a one word, it'd be like, you know, it's trust, right? Like whatever they're communicating to me, yeah. um, that's not just like the actual marketing of it, but like you said, how you speak to your, you know, your, your customers, your team, everything, um, you know, it's, it, it's a relationship, right. That you have with, uh, the other side. So, okay. Um, yeah. What's really simplified it for me is I, like I, I, uh, met, um, a lady named, uh, Lynn Powers and she used to be the uh, CEO of, uh, J Walter Thompson, which is, you know, one of the predominant agencies oh, wow. in the world, right. I mean, iconic, 150-year-old yeah, sure. agency, basically invented brand in some respects. And I asked her about this because yeah. I've always struggled with this. And uh, she put me onto um, a book called Heroes and uh, Outlaws. I believe it's called Heroes and Outlaws. And it just, uh, yeah, it and basically okay. simplifies brands to archetypes. And, um, and it, it gives you a great foundation to build um, a brand based on known um archetypes and it really helps simplify the the branding process and if you can figure out what your dominant um archetype is there's hero brands there's uh explorer brands and you just it doesn't mean you have to do everything like that if you can sort of ground it in a um, narrative that is um stood the test of time it could really give you a good foundation to to build brand and i found that was a very very helpful tip that she gave me because 
we're sitting there thinking that we were a hero brand and we were much more of an explorer brand. And it really helped us sort of look at everything we were doing and align that uh, nicer. So uh, um, that was a huge uh, help from her. Well, I uh, am multitasking <laughs> and I'm ordering that now off of Amazon. Um, I, I do love to, uh, I should say, I love to read for, you know, nonfiction. Um, but we'll, I do have like a rapid fire a uh, few questions, so we'll get to that in a moment. But I'm definitely, uh, I'm always interested in, 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 in uh, any new book that can can help. So awesome. Um, so now just to, to talk a little bit more about, you know, your, your current business. Obviously, you guys have been around now for, it, it looks like, 12 years. You're in Reno, right? Why Reno? Um, because, you know, looking at least the, the history and education, you know, uh, University of San Francisco and University of BC, but like, why Reno? Maybe there's a backstory, I don't know, but um, I've only been to Reno once in my life, so. Sure. I mean, um, I, I think more specifically, you know, our founders were based in, uh, you know, initial founders were based in Canada. So why do we decide to uh, base out of the U.S.? Um, I was part of the Canadian mm-hmm. Manufacturers and Exports at the time, and I did um, notice that there was quite a, a bit of challenge um, with Canadian companies and, uh, you know, building, uh, you know, relationships with the U.S. And, and, and growing because obviously the U.S. market is you know, huge in terms of that compared to the Canadian market. So we made a we made a call and say, hey, look, uh, we have some of our partners and our, our people in the U.S. Um, you know, let's let's go to the U.S., build the business in the U.S., and then we can come back to Canada later. And um, I, I guess with Reno or Nevada, I, you know, it's definitely a business friendly state. So we picked that. But, um, uh, you know, it, it has proven to be the case that for adoption of technology, especially in the space that we were looking at, the U.S. is much quicker to adopt technology and to progress it. And, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, it, that has been, a, um, you know, it had some challenges, but I think overall, um, because we had a good core team and, uh, you know, for us to be distributed and, and uh, working, uh, you know, remotely before everyone was forced to do it. Um, uh, because we had a prior relationship before that, um, it worked for us. Gotcha. And now who's the exact customer profile or or is it a super wide customer? I mean, because from what I was seeing it, you know, the, the coding, um, like a lot more commercial, no? Right. I mean, you wouldn't put this type of roof coating on a. I don't know. I guess you could do an apartment building, which is still commercial. But um, what what what's the ideal customer? Sure, absolutely. We, we never intended to go into the roofing industry, but we kept getting interest from the roofing industry. And initially, we were kind of intimidated because. They, you know, there's an industry that used warranties, like and and sometimes very gimmicky warranties, like lifetime mm-hmm. warranties or 50 year or 20 year warranties, um, with you know with lots of strange loopholes. So we were kind of trying to back away from it because we didn't really understand it. We were doing uh, coatings in other areas of the market, but we kept getting interest. And um, I sat in on a webinar and the webinar is uh, the host or the guest was the CMO of Pepsi. And one of the questions for the the guest was, 
hey, what, you know, what keeps you up at night? You know, what keeps the CMO of Pepsi, a multi-billion dollar company uh, up at night? And one of the, the things was, uh, I'm, he said, I'm, I'm terrified of the small, regional, growing company that had, knows something we don't know. So key insight. And for us, what, what it came down to, what we were getting this interest from the roofing industry is that, you know, for, for many, many years, it's still a problem in, in roofing and other construction industry. Labor's been a problem. So they've engineered these products that were very, very easy mm-hmm. to um, apply, you know, open the bucket and apply. And it would be good because the contractors could get people with minimum skill level and apply these things and there'd be less chances of errors. And they, they kept making the product simpler and simpler. And what was happening is it, with the environment, with the, you know, with the, you know, these technologies being out there, it, it became very apparent that these technologies were um, either not good enough to begin with, or now with the extreme weather and all these things that are happening are currently not good enough to withstand the, um, you know, the performance that's required to do this well. So what was happening with, but the entire industry was shifting towards these simpler products, but they needed something that was higher performance and that was going to, you know, stick better here, a higher level of waterproofing. So they were just, des- you know, these contractors and specifiers were desperately searching for something that filled that market. And, you know, uh, you know, our product was, um, you know, met that requirement. It was, it was a fluke. I mean, we'd love to say that it was genius, but I mean the the water you know permeability rating, the <laughs> waterproof, the adhesion levels. It was almost like it was engineered perfectly to it. But you know what? It was a fluke that it it ticked all the boxes. But we'll take it, and uh, we we ran with it. So um, it's it's been uh, yeah. it's been great. But I think uh, and you know o- over the years, uh, just learned a whole bunch of ways of not doing it right. <laughs> So I think just the, the key is just uh, what makes entrepreneurship fun is, you know, there's always something new to learn, like you're, you're a learner and, uh, you know, it's never boring. Well, you know, I always say that, um, obviously I'm from the tech side of things, um, uh, but um, I think everyone needs a little luck. Uh, most people would probably say that, <laughs> uh, especially when you're, you're building a business. Sometimes things, uh, you know, you can have a perfect execution but it may not work out, right? Um, one of my favorite quotes is um, essentially, uh, I'm forgetting it right now, but hard work doesn't always guarantee success, but successful people always work hard. And you, know, you can apply that to uh, uh, business people, yeah. but um, you never know, right? <laughs> so that's, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll take the good luck because I've been on the bad luck side of things. Mm-hmm. Like in 2014, like originally we were in oil and gas sector because um, our VP of sales had all these contacts at these companies and he was very good at getting us in. So we were in mm-hmm. with Halliburton and all these companies. And in 2014, the price of oil tanked, right? So in 45, 60 days, 80% of our right. sales disappeared. And, you know, you're, you're sitting there or I'm sitting here in front of the computer, mm-hmm. you know, kind of blanks staring in the face. And when you kind of like have this, it's this company going down, you start like getting these sort of like 
end of business life flashback, right? How embarrassing is it going to be? What are you going to tell people? And, uh, you know, very fortunate, you know, uh, as with uh, many entrepreneurs, you, uh, you know, people that have been there before and stuff are so gracious with their time and help. And, and, you know, I think their advice is, is, was simple to me and to others on our team was, Hey, look, you can only control what you can control. What's the most, what's the next most important thing you have to do. And then just keep doing it. Don't get the deer in the headlights. Just keep doing the things that you need to do. And, and, you know, we just did enough things and we caught a couple of small breaks and uh, we were able to sort of capitalize on that. We, we survived. And I think entrepreneurship sometimes is just about surviving, uh, you know, until, until you get, like you say, quote unquote, lucky, then uh, yeah, you know, that that's stroke right. of genius, which uh, sometimes uh, uh, books portray it as. Yeah, I, uh, I think the luck is also kind of, uh, uh, there's many metaphors, but the whole uh, uh, 10,000 10, hours in your craft, um, you know, eventually, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, you keep taking the, the, the pick looking for gold. It's just one more pick and, and uh, you'll, you'll find it. Right. Um, just keep getting at it and, and hopefully something you know happens to work. So um, I wanted to move to more on, on the back to the branding because you're, you, you're doing several podcasts um, what was the impetus for this? Was it because of this company? Was it to get more clients? What was the, what was the reason? And two, like, yeah, I mean, has it, has it, has it worked for, for you in, in building a personal and or uh, company brand? Um, and maybe you can talk about what they do quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I'll, I'll do it quickly. First of all, I mean, um, you know, I, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I always like doing things to push myself out of the comfort zone. So, you know, podcasting and stuff was, you know, a little bit uncomfortable because it's, you know, it's kind of, uh, so I, I did for that reason as well. But the main, main reason I did is I love to learn. And I, when I looked around the building material space, um, it, it's complicated. Like I, I underestimated how complicated it was. Like when I came out of launching so many product, I had... I was honestly, I was overconfident because I thought I could just launch everything. There was just so much to learn, so many decision makers and influencers to get to a decision. So yeah. I, I didn't, since I didn't find the information, I figured I just, hey, who do I need to ask? I need an excuse to ask someone and, and gain knowledge. So I started like basically um, a, a podcast that just helped me learn what I needed to learn as an entrepreneur and as a, a, a business in building materials and, and stuff like that. Clients and all that stuff, secondary, it's helped in that way as well. But my main thing was I want the intel. I just wasn't finding it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I also I feel the same way because I have this, just kind of hearing I love to learn about business just to – um, understand how things work and, and um, you can always gain some insight. But also um, I started another one that, because I come from the, like uh, the tech side, but I use machinery industry and um, you know, it's not out there, right? You know, you're interviewing roofers on a, on a probably on a weekly basis. Right. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. The roofer of one, especially um, one of the things um in the roofing industry is um, uh, it's a trade that doesn't, you know, relative to how much impact they have in the construction industry, 
they they don't get that much right. respect overall, or at least the people within the roofing industry don't feel like they get the that their due respect. And I just wanted to do something where I just sort of helped uh, uh, break some of the stigma around the roofing industry as an appealing uh, industry um, that you know people were multi-dimensional, like some of these roofing. Uh, company owners have software companies or they have, you know, very diverse interests. And I just wanted to do my part to sort of, um, you know, build relationships, but also just kind of um, take a pain point of the industry yeah. and, and do my part to contribute to it. Yeah. And I, I mean, between that and, you know, entrepreneurs that are, uh, you know, I know you're specifically doing about building materials, coatings and on construction entrepreneurs, these unsexy businesses, I find, you know, not just the U.S. I live in Berlin, and you know, even Europe more so has, I'd say, from a per capita standpoint or a ratio, probably better word for it, more small businesses. These guys can afford a Ferrari, <laughs> you know, like they may be, they may be ones who are putting the roof yeah. on your on your home, or you know, painting the home, um, but they're they're doing pretty well, right, and. Um, you know, they have autonomy, which is what most entrepreneurs want, right? Um, so very cool. Um, and always very interesting people, right? They still have, they're no different than anyone who starts a big company uh, or in a tech company that gets all the, maybe the notoriety is, you know, they, they, they have the confidence, the, you know, the risk tolerance um, and the foresight to, they want to succeed. They want to be, have autonomy and, um they're just as brave. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm interested on the same level. All right. We're closing in on the end of this episode. Um, I got some rapid fire questions. Now, five, you, I have 10, so you can always say, you know, pass. All right. But we'll start off easy since you did mention a book that I've just ordered already during the time we've spoken. What's your favorite book and why? I like Traction, Gina Wickman's uh, book. Um, very, very useful framework. Okay. Traction by, I'm also going to get this one. Um, traction. Okay. Gina Wickman. Got it. And it, yeah, it's, um, if, if you're trying to grow a business that, you know, especially through like the, you know, the, the early part of the curve, not, not so much. I think you talk about eight figure businesses, but gives you a very good uh, framework and a cadence on meetings and, and, uh, you know, for bringing everything towards a goal. Gotcha. Okay. Purchased already did that. Um, what do you think is the the hardest thing you've ever done? It's, all t it's a difficult question because it's. I'm sure there's many hard, difficult things you've done, but it doesn't always have to be business, right? Yeah, I, I think you know definitely um, getting a, a business, uh, you know, through uh, you know product market fit, initial adoption, and um, to an operating profitable state is very very hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I've, I've, I've failed as well. And it's, it's, it's tough to build a profitable business. That's for sure. Um, here's a funny one. If you were an animal, who, who would you be? Wow. Um, I don't know anything that flies. I'd like to give that a shot. Okay. That's good. That's a good choice. Um, fourth question. Who's your icon? 
Good question. Um, I don't know. For me, um, it's just it just changes. Like when I'm when I'm learning about something, I would mm-hmm. just like I gravitate towards certain people and, and certain things they do, and I just try on what they do. If I see them, you know, reading this book, I'll do that. I'll try to experience it. So it, it, there's no fixed point, but I do admire a lot of uh, different entrepreneurs. But it, it changes. Awesome. Okay, last one. Now, I'll give an example because sometimes this question can be a little bit difficult, but that's why I'm asking it. What is uh, something that society believes is true, but you don't necessarily believe is true? My example would be that the the higher and more education that you receive, what school, JD, MBA, that it equates to how successful you will be. Mm, that's an interesting. What's a counter thing, that thing? Well, I, I always, um, like, you know, there's uh, businesses that focus on trends, right? So I think that mm-hmm. what I always do is when I see a trend, um, some people see opportunity. Um, I always look in the opposite direction. So for every trend, there's an anti-trend. So I'm usually more interested in the anti-trend than the trend. Nice. A little contrarian. I like, I like it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, right on the dot at 30 minutes. Uh, I really appreciate the time, man. Um, I know we definitely could go deeper. Uh, you're, you're a really smart guy and I just appreciate your time, uh, today, but, um, let's definitely connect and, uh, if I can be helpful at all, um, especially, you know, I, I'm mainly from uh, the Chicago, the Chicago land area, but never know when, uh, you know, we could, we either can meet or, or, or uh, send some business your way. How can people get in touch with you? Um, yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, um, you know, I check my social media handles. So, I mean, through uh, LinkedIn or, or Twitter or Insta, whatever. Um, I try to be available for you awesome. know, non-spammy requests. Uh, you know, happy to happy to help if I can do anything. Great, great. Well, hey, thanks again. And uh, um, well, you know, you're what nine hours behind me or eight hours behind me. So I'll uh, have a good rest of the day. And uh, thanks a lot for for taking the time today. All right. Thanks, Steve.